Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. And these are the names of the 12 apostles. These Jesus sent out with instructions. In the name of the one triune God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Please be seated. One of the readings appointed for today, the third Sunday after Pentecost, is from the Gospel of Matthew. This passage from Matthew marks the moment when Jesus seems to have decided that the followers gathered around him knew enough, were formed, shaped, and changed enough to be sent out to share the mission and ministry with him. Now, it wasn't as if they'd completed a curriculum, Ministry 101, with the required number of credit hours, proficiency tests, final exams, papers, no. Discipleship isn't as easily marked out and measured as that. It was more a matter of Jesus deciding that he taught them about all he could, at least for the moment. And he knew that the world needed their ministry. And if you pay close attention to the wording of this passage, you'll notice that there's been a fundamental shift in how Jesus views his closest followers and how each of them are to view each other and themselves. For in the first sentence, he refers to them as disciples, those who are learning the disciplines of their craft, trade, or profession. And then, suddenly, he transforms them into apostles, meaning someone who is sent out. These are not just interchangeable names for the same 12 individuals. No, they are now apostles, people being sent out into the world to do what they've been discipled to do. For several chapters in the Gospel of Matthew before this story, Jesus has been traveling around healing, preaching, and teaching, and the crowds are growing. More and more people keep coming with their troubles, their need, and their pain. Jesus describes them as being harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. As he looks on them, he can see the great need, far more than he alone can reach at this particular moment in his earthly journey. And so it is time to add some helpers to send out laborers into the Lord's harvest. And Jesus does this by gathering his closest followers, the ones who have been with him the longest and whom he's observed the most closely. 
He's already passed on to them some of his power. The power to name and overcome evil. The power to heal and reconcile. Power granted to him by the Heavenly Father, the one holy and living God. And so Jesus sends them out. He apostles them with these instructions. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. And so off they go to do the work in Jesus' name, disciples living into their new mission as apostles. Do they do this new ministry perfectly? Of course not. The Gospels and the Book of Acts tell us over and over again of the myriad ways in which they missed the mark. They couldn't understand Jesus' parables. And they argued among themselves over who was the greatest. They didn't know what on earth Jesus meant when he predicted his own death. They slept through Jesus' last agonizing hours on this planet, deserting him as he went to earthly judgment and the cross. And they barely recognized him when he appeared to them as the risen Christ. And they didn't have a clue what to do when Jesus ascended into heaven. And of course, let's not forget that one of them betrayed him, quite literally selling Jesus out to the Roman authorities. And yet, and yet they persevered. They persevered, and today, two millennia later, there are churches all over the world witnessing in every nation to the good news of God in Christ. As the hymn that we just sang states so unequivocally, in Christ there is no east or west, in him no south or north, but one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. The Christian faith proclaims the good news even in the darkest hour. The sun never sets on Christian hope. And all because those disciples, imperfect as they were, answered Jesus' challenge to be transformed into apostles, sent out to proclaim the good news that the kingdom of God has come near. Our baptismal vows include the promise that we will, with God's help, proclaim by word and example the good news of God 
in Christ. That's because we too are Jesus' apostles. We too are Christ's hands and feet and heart in this troubled, often broken, wounded world. All too often, it seems that we treat our life as a church as if it were an end in itself. We like to gather together within the comfort of our worship and our beautiful buildings and our communities to be with each other and to feel as if we are truly in the presence of the Lord. But we're often content to remain disciples, safely gathered around our Lord, distanced, sometimes even separated from the world outside our sanctuary's four walls, the rest of the whole wide earth. But to be an apostle is to risk, to venture, to step outside our close, supportive congregation and community into a world of people caught up in troubles and need and pain. And recently, during the pandemic, so much anxiety, fear, and suffering. It takes courage to be an apostle. You know, the followers gathered around Jesus so long ago weren't much different from us. They certainly weren't always eager to go out there outside the comfort of their close circle of friends and companions, where Jesus had told them they had to be wise as serpents as well as innocent as doves. But Jesus saw the world then, as now, grieving and wounded. He knew its suffering, felt it to his very core, deep in his own heart. And so he sent out his first apostles to bear the power of God into the struggle with evil, to heal the sick, and to bring the reconciliation of God's love. Just as he sends us, each and every one of us, no exceptions, those gathered together in the sanctuary and those joining us this morning through the live stream via the wonders of modern technology. Jesus sends us to do the same ministry as the first 12 he commissioned oh so long ago. And so, my dear people of St. Anne's, as Christians, Episcopalians, and as apostles of Christ, believe that we are all called to bring healing, reconciliation, and God's inclusive love to the world via the power of the grace of God. Our world today is as full as Jesus's world was of people who are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And each of us has our own places to which we are called where there are people hurting, searching, 
struggling, in pain. And like the first apostles, we won't be perfect. We'll make mistakes. We'll miss opportunities. We'll go back on our word at times. And yes, we'll betray our Lord in ways great and small. But our Lord is endlessly forgiving, and he keeps sending us back out into the world in his name. The first apostles, our forebears in the faith, turned the world upside down via the power of God. And we can too. We can name evil and injustice and then work to change them. We can dare to name and touch the sicknesses of this world, fear, rage, racism, people set against people, homophobia, hopelessness, despair, emptiness, pain, and then strive to heal it. We can pray that we may always say to the world, as Jesus instructed us to do, the kingdom of God has come near. And let's not worry about how we'll do this. For if done right, in a spirit of love, the words and ways will come to us because it will be the spirit of God moving through us, through the grace and power of God. Who among us, for example, felt qualified to face the unprecedented challenge that was posed by the COVID-19 pandemic, when so many of us were sequestered in our homes and physically separated from the body of Christ? Yet in parish after parish and community after community, people rose to the occasion creatively re-examining ways of worshiping, ways of offering outreach ministries, ways of being faithful agents of Jesus' love. And we shouldn't be surprised by this, for throughout history, the original dozen apostles have been replaced by an ongoing series of others who continue to carry out the eternal instructions of Jesus. Every single one of us is empowered to do this ministry, not because of our abilities or readiness, but because of and through the gift of the Holy Spirit. That hymn I mentioned earlier continues as follows with a second verse that echoes the calls for racial reconciliation and social justice that particularly resonate this weekend across our country. For as our nation celebrates Juneteenth tomorrow, as well as perhaps also celebrates the addition of another three-day holiday weekend to the summer calendar, it is important to remember that Juneteenth commemorates that hot summer's day in Galveston in 1865, 
when news of the end of the Civil War and of the emancipation of all enslaved people finally reached the people of Texas. The second verse of that hymn is as follows. Join hands, disciples of the faith, whate'er your race may be, who serves my father as his child is surely kin to me. If we truly believe this, and if we, as Jesus' apostles, pledge to be agents of God's love, then one day this hymn's third and final verse may actually be realized with God's help. The third verse. In Christ now meet both east and west. In him meet south and north. All Christly souls are one in him throughout the whole wide earth. <laughs>